Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cuba. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicularist. Today, within the Liberal Cube, is Movie Monday. Move over, Mondays! It's Movie Monday! Yeah. In the actual, real, physical, existing world, it is Tuesday, because it was a long weekend. So, that is that, explained, because why not? Something I like to say at the top of every show, although I believe very important on a movie Monday, is that there will be spoilers. Folks, please, I have lots of heed, so take some of it. And listen to my spoiler warning, because it is most likely your one and only one right there. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, because that is what helps others find podcasts. Those two things. Hey! Why not do it, really, when you think about it? But don't think too hard, because we have a lot to cover today, including our last piece of podcast-related midness, which is, of course, today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is the eBook of the Dead. Once again, today's sponsor is the eBook of the Dead. Everything you've come to expect from the Book of the Dead, minus, of course, the blood and then the skin, and let's face it, the stench. Yeah, so why not pick up the eBook of the Dead today? I have for you one, two, four. I have four movies. So potentially two on the way in, two on the way home. Hmm. That might work out that way. However, you never know. Maybe we'll do one and three. Maybe we'll do three and one. Maybe we'll get all four done, but probably not. Let's jump into book one. Book one. <laughs> that ebook thing, I guess, threw me a little bit. Let's get into movie one. A little film. Uh, I believe it came out during the uh, Cannes Film Festival. Perhaps it was at Sundance. I'm not quite sure. Uh, of course, I'm talking Sharknado. Sharknado. That is, of course, combining the word tornado and the word shark. Yes, that is a film. A movie. A B-movie. And uh, I watched it. I did mention, I believe it was on last hot internet day, or perhaps one previous, that the podcast How Did This Get Made talked of Sharknado, and I said, I'm going to try to find it and bring it back. So, that is just what I have done. Yeah. First problem right off the bat is that it's not really a tornado full of sharks. It's more of a, at first, a hurricane full of sharks and then a water spout full of sharks. No tornadoes. No tornadoes. So that is false advertising as far as I'm concerned. This is a very, very bad movie, as predicted. <laughs> is it, it? It does delve into the so bad it's good. But it also has some so bad it's bad moments as well. How about on that note, throw out my rating of... 
<laughs> These kind of movies are tough to rate. Uh, this one definitely included. I'm going to go, if you're in the mood for a So Bad It's Good movie, four to five. If you don't like So Bad It's Good movies, uh, I'd go one out of five. I like these style movies, so I would lean towards the four. That is a incredibly convoluted rating, but that is what I do best. Convoluted ratings, that is. And make love. Yeah. What? Oh, okay. So the movie, if you are unaware, stars Ian Ziering. There's another problem I have right off the bat. Ian, come on, it's Ian. I-A-N is pronounced Ian. Don't call yourself Ian. That's confusing. His name in this movie is Finn. Finn. F-I-N. His name in a movie about a Sharknado is Finn. So you know it's going to be good. <laughs> the movie starts off with, there's, there's a lot of just ridiculous, unbelievable points. For example, <laughs> it starts off with something that makes zero sense. I, I guess they did it just to prove that well, I, I actually don't know why they did it, but I'm going to say, I guess they did it to prove that the sharks have a re reason, uh, a sort of reasonable reason for getting sucked up into a quote-unquote tornado and killing everyone, because you need a reason for that. Anyways, it has something to do with uh, this, uh, I think it was a Japanese gentleman on a fishing boat, a fishing boat that fishes for sharks, and then cuts off their fins, and throws them back in the water. That's not very nice. Oh, man, I'm a shark, and I'm upset about this. What am I going to do? I'm going to get sucked up by a tornado and kill everybody. That'll show them. <laughs> is that what they were thinking? If it is, my mind has been blown even further than it already was. So that happens, and then that's in the first five minutes, and then for the rest of the movie, it's never mentioned again, so I don't really know why they did that part. Then the storm slash uh, sharks start working their way inland. And this is sort of one of the unbelievable parts where it's just people sort of splashing around in the water, you know, ankle deep, maybe in some areas knee deep. And suddenly sharks are attacking them in ankle deep water. Yet you cannot actually see these sharks coming after you. There is within this movie in the first 10 minutes, probably 10 deaths, if I had to guess. Which is a, it's a pretty good ratio. Uh, one death per minute, not, not too bad. Another sort of unbelievable thing throughout this movie is that, I don't know if they just couldn't afford special effects throughout, but it's supposed to be during this big hurricane, like the first hurricane to ever hit California or some such, and you'll go from threatening-looking windy skies to just kind of a bright, sunny-looking day, back and forth, back and forth, within seconds of each other. And that never sort of makes any sense. I don't know why I'm looking for sense in this movie. Uh, there's a scene at the beginning where Ian Zeering's, a.k.a. Finn's buddy, is saved. He's sort of a Australian-Tasmanian gentleman and uh, is Ian's oh God, right-hand man sort of throughout this movie. Also accompanying them is the hot girl who works in the bar Ian owns. Yeah, she's pretty uh, pretty smoking hot, actually. Hmm. Just on that note, which is sort of the idea behind these movies, I think, is to have ridiculous action in Hot Girls. However, then they decided to go with Tara Reid, who mm, I will not say anything bad about, because that is not how I roll, but I just kind of did, so... There? Hmm. She plays Ian's... <laughs> I can't get over that. Ian's uh, ex-wife. So all this sort of 
shark shit starts going down, and he's like, oh no, my family, I have to go up to the Beverly Hills to save them. Will you come with me? Guy who I just saved his life, and girl who works at my bar, oh, and drunk guy who is constantly drinking in my bar, who uses his stool to kill sharks and save the day until he, too, is killed. Spoiler alert. I liked him, actually. I wish he was in the movie for a little longer. He sort of carried around his bar stool. It's how a picture Norm Peterson from Cheers would react to a Sharknado. He would pick up his bar stool and start whacking sharks with it. Lovely thought. Lovely thought. Uh, another scene at the beginning in which uh, Finn's Ion's bar is at the at a pier on California, and there's like a Ferris wheel, and uh, the Ferris wheel comes loose from its bearings for some reason because of sharks. And it uh, starts rolling down the street and crushes the guy. So any movie where a Ferris wheel has inexplicably come loose of its bearings and runs over a guy, it can't be all bad, right? Right. There's a crazy long scene where a school bus full of children is sort of in rising waters and Ian has to save it uh, because there might be kids on board. For some reason, um, Tara Reid is like, no, you always think about other people, never about your own family. We shouldn't save these people. Come on, let's go and save ourselves. So apparently she's a bitch. <laughs> that sort of disappears eventually in the, I guess, live happily ever after, sure, whatever. There was a car chase. Why was there a car chase in a movie about Sharknados? Because the writers obviously thought, hey, let's put a car chase in. And that was the end of their thought process. <sighs> okay, uh, let's, i got to speed on up, get to the end of the movie, which is how do you stop not one, not two, not four, but three Sharknados? Oh my god, there's three of them. What? I thought it was a movie about just one. No, there's three of them. How do you stop them? Well, quite obviously, you blow, you blow them up. Yeah, that's, that's what you do. Science. They <laughs> had some bullshit science explanation as to why throwing bombs in a tornado made of sharks would uh, dissipate them. Hmm. And it worked. <laughs> How about that? So, good. Good sciencey reasons. They should have just had a character saying, sciencey reasons, and then <laughs> left it at that. I would have got a better laugh and not been as disgusted. Uh, the very, very end of the movie, Ian is eaten by a shark with a chainsaw in hand and sort of cuts his way out of the shark. Apparently, the same shark that ate someone earlier, one of the main cast members, who I will not say who, <laughs> and uh, she, oh, oh, there you go, is still alive, alive and well, despite being eaten by a shark several minutes earlier. The end, they all live happily and blood-coveredly, ever after. Moving on to movie the second, which also has a chainsaw in it. Ha ha! Yeah. Two movies, two chainsaw scenes. We're, we're doing something right here, I think. We are on the right track. By that, I am... By that, I am, of course, talking Evil Dead. The remake. Hmm. Evil Dead... One, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, I have brought back on my podcast, that is this one. Not too, too long ago, so you can uh, listen to those, perhaps compare to this one, and let me know 
perhaps uh, which Evil Dead you would choose, either based on the actual movies or based on the podcast. Hey, a uh, little audience participation, if you will. You can uh, email me to the address provided in the closing credits or tweet at me. I am Jordan underscore Maywood. Would love to hear from you. Evil Dead the Remake. I, I think one of the problems with this movie, before I even started watching it, is that before I even started watching it, I had heard from tons of sources that this was one of the scariest movies made in recent times. Uh, it wasn't that scary. Uh, there was some scares, I, I will give them that, which is kind of, I think, hard to do for modern viewing audiences. Uh, where it does amp up in this movie extremely high is definitely in the gore, one of the goriest movies I've seen in a long time, but gore does not equal scare for me and I think a lot of other people. One final disappointment is that I heard, sort of before this movie even came out, that Bruce Campbell is going to have a a cameo appearance of some sort, but I never saw him. I looked, and I looked. Ah, oh, shit, you know what I should have done? Checked the IMDB and see if maybe I just missed it somehow. I don't know how I would miss it, though. That's that's the thing. Hmm. So, uh, a little disappointed with that. That being said, as far as horror movies go, and remakes of horror movies go, this is a very good one, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Rating-wise... I'm going to go 4 to 5. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very good. If you do not know the story, and it somewhat closely followed the story of the original, uh, a bunch of uh, 20-somethings go up to a cottage. One of them reads the Book of the Dead, almost inadvertently releasing uh, demons or El Diablo, or just bad shit, is unleashed on the earth and them in particular. And uh, that's your movie, The End. No. Well, yes, but no. I should say more about it than just that. Uh, this one, they threw a little twist on it in that it is four people go up, or rather take up, this girl who is addicted to something. I never really quite figured out what she was addicted to. And they were sort of treating this excursion as her rehab. So uh, I like that idea just because... She, obviously, is the first person initially to start seeing this crazy shit that, is, that has been unleashed. So the fact that she is uh, suffering from withdrawal is a perfect opportunity for none of the other people to believe things she has seen. Which uh, is always sort of one of my sticking points in horror movies. That it'll be a group of people, bad shit will happen... One person will explain what's happening and no one will believe them, despite sort of mounting evidence. There is some of that in this movie, still, despite that. Why don't I just sort of briefly, because I'm getting near work, run down the main character. So it's this girl who's suffering from withdrawal. She's sort of the main girl. Then her brother, uh, her brother and her girlfriend, as well as another, I'm not sure if they are a couple or not, sort of a, a nerdy, hipstery, serial killer, glasses-wearing guy, as well as a smoking hot a nurse girl who's, I guess, sort of there because she's a friend, as well as she will be able to take care of this girl going through a job. So that's your cast. The scene in which this takes place, the, the, the outside of the cabin, they did a really good job on making it look exactly like the cabin from the original movies. There's a scene, too, right at the very beginning where they're 
sort of sitting on a rusted out old car. And I do believe, and would not be overly surprised if this is true, that the car in question that they were sitting on was the sort of famous car from the first two movies. Three movies, in fact. Uh, what else should I say? Since I'm getting close to work, gotta wrap it up. This movie has the sort of famous or infamous scene as well that appeared in the first ones of a girl being raped by trees, basically. Uh, that is kind of how the initial, I think you could go possession. This is kind of a possession type movie happened through tree rape. Oh boy. Then from, from then on, it's almost as if this possession is sort of a virus because the initially possessed, she sort of goes on a bit of a mini rampage. She vomits bloody filled with something vomit on one of the other girls who then is sort of infected with this possession who yeah then this girl will eventually bite the hand of another girl that will then possess her despite her chopping off her own hand uh, which leads me to i guess the end of the movie which is the reason i am giving this higher than a free middle of the road because it had a bit of a twist and if you know me i love a twist ending. I like non-happy endings and twist did not see it coming ending. Those are my favorites because they are infrequent. The twist is the sort of main character, the, uh, you could even go so far as to look at it, the Bruce Campbell character is not, in fact, who you think it is. This is a spoiler. I very rarely give out secondary spoiler warnings, but this is one. The Bruce Campbell character is actually the sister, the uh, the drug rehab sister, ends up sort of filling the roles of the of Bruce Campbell in the original movies. Whereas throughout the entire movie, you think that it's going to be the brothers. Hmm. Cool, cool idea. There is a scene in which she does lose her hand while holding a chainsaw. So hey, that right there, that that hit my buttons. That hit my that hit my uh, remembering past Evil Dead moment buttons. That did. Folks, okay, so two on the way in, which means by process of elimination, there will be two movies on the way home as well. So I will go into work and do eight hours of work and meet you back here, which of course leaves one final thing to say, and that is, love your dairies, love your dairies, love your dairies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back! We are back! We are back! We are back! 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 We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Eight hours of work completed on a day back from a long weekend. Uh, yeah. Maybe turn that into a jingle. Jordan, turn that into the eight hours of work completed after a long weekend jingle. Yeah. Now we're thinking... Hour drinking. Two more movies. Let's see what I have to say about them. Because, well, basically that's what this podcast consists of. I will watch, I will watch movies. Uh-huh. And then on Mondays, within Liberal Cube, I should specify, I will talk about them. And that will be a Movie Monday episode. That's how that works. Movie the third is The Limits of Control. Hmm, interesting. Very interesting. Oh, shit. 
Uh, I just realized I meant to look something up about this movie that I did not. Um, well, let me just throw it out there, what I meant to look up, and maybe it'll make sense. What I meant to look up is this from the same um, director, creator, whatever you want to call it, of the movie Moonrise Kingdom. Is it the same guy made both movies? Because I kind of got the feeling it was for several reasons. Uh, one of the main ones, I guess, is that some of the actors appearing in that movie appeared in this movie, including uh, Bill Murray and Tilda Swinton. I was t- yeah, I do believe Tilda Swinton's in Moonrise Kingdom. I'm pretty sure she was. Anyways, so that combined with just sort of the way in which it was shot. It's a definite, definite, probably more than any movie I've ever seen, sort of sense of style that this director has, assuming, of course, that it's the same person, which I think it is. I think... I'm pretty sure it is. There's a percentile of which I am sure, and I'm not going to say what it is, just in case I am right or wrong, so kind of cover my bases, yeah. Uh, The sense of style is hard to explain other than one sort of, I think, underlying fact that I could just sort of blurt out here that will make sense in in describing it. Ah, yes. And that is, you can watch this movie, or these movies, and sort of pause it at given moments within the movies, and it's as if you're sort of taking a picture, um, an arty-farty picture, a beautiful picture. He films in such a way that it's as if every shot um, is sort of not just filmed, it's something that he sort of, it's almost as if he, uh, (laughs) this is one of those times where my name curses in full effect where I can't remember his name and did not write it down. It's one of those times where he... It's almost as if he thinks that viewers of this movie, of these movies, I will just say again, um, will occasionally pause the screen to take pictures of the screen. It's as if he's filming with that in mind. Uh, Just amazing, amazing stuff. If you cannot tell, I like these two movies. Uh, I know that I did do Moonrise Kingdom on the podcast quite a while ago, if I do recall, one of the early episodes. If you can be, you know, I think this is episode 161. If you can be 161 episodes in and still have an early episode, I suppose you can. Now what is this about? That's kind of a good question as well, because, well, you know what I did? I did something I don't think I've ever done before. I wrote down the IMDb short sort of description of this movie, which I don't think I've ever done before, but I I thought it was kind of interesting, and I will explain after I read it. It is, and I don't like reading while driving, so I'm going to be careful while doing this. This is the story of a mysterious loner, a stranger, in the process of completing a criminal job. I think the reason I like that is because it is short, to the point, and really doesn't tell you anything about the movie whatsoever, Uh, which is kind of nice, kind of makes sense in this case, because this movie is not really so much about that. Uh, That is, I guess, sort of your bare-bones underlying story. However, uh, I think more 
the sort of better way to look at this movie is here's a man and I didn't write down his name and don't remember it the actor playing sort of this main character uh, a man who is completing working his way towards completing this criminal job and that is sort of just setting up him meeting these crazy yeah I think crazy is a good word crazy individuals who sort of I guess the way you look at it are giving him clues to clues or instructions that will help him perform this task, okay? So he'll, he himself, the, the main character of this, has very few lines. Uh, There's sort of great silences. Yeah, this probably, and they even actually bring it up at one point. Uh, the movie has sort of periods where it's just him sitting and nothing is happening, <laughs> and describing it sounds boring, but I, I really, really like movies like this. I, I don't know what it is. And then interspersed with those great moments of silence are this man sitting down, ordering two espressos. <laughs> For some reason, it's just a, it's never explained. It's just an interesting little twist that every time he sits down waiting for sort of one of these individuals to pop in and give him a piece of information contained within a matchbook, a differently colored matchbook that he will then read. It'll be almost sort of a, a code that he cracks somehow. I don't know how. He'll then eat the message. So as he's waiting for that to happen, he'll order two espressos. Not a double espresso, so help me God, if you get this man a double espresso, he will not be happy. He wants two espressos and two separate cups. They always get sort of a close-up of these two espressos. As he is waiting with these espressos, these sort of people will pop in and just shoot the shit about crazy, crazy, why are they talking about this stuff? And uh, it's kind of an art art picture, I, I think is another way you can look at it. It's kind of hard to talk about. Uh, I wrote down some of the people that popped in, although not all of them. Uh, Tilda Swinton already mentioned her. She uh, she was sort of dressed very strangely, had a white wig on, um, cowboy boots, cowboy hat, uh, one of those umbrellas that is, like, totally see-through. However, it was a sunny day, so just weird, weird shit. Uh, Yuki Kodo, which I don't know who that is, but she had a very strange part talking about molecules within the human body, and <laughs> it's just weirdness. Weirdness. And perhaps, now that I just sort of think of it in that context, weirdness, and perhaps that is why I love it so. Uh, another person who popped in was Mr. John Hurt. John Hurt, who basically I, I kind of just wrote down for the reason um, of him appearing in the yet-to-be-released Doctor Who episode coming up in December, I do believe, possibly, and what sort of role he's going to take place in the Doctor Who universe. I am very excited about that. Oh, uh, just on that note, perhaps, they announced yesterday, or the day before, um, who the actor is who's going to play the new Doctor Who. I didn't write down his name. Don't remember what it is. Name, curse, full effect. Full goddamn effect today, that's for sure. But uh, I know I have seen him in various BBC sort of related things, and uh, I, I get a good vibe off of him, so... My hopes are high. My hopes are high. Lastly, Bill Murray, which 
if I do recall, was sort of the reason I decided to watch this movie. I've sort of made it my mission to watch every single Bill Murray movie. So, that is what I am doing. Hmm. Actually, he has a kind of a small role in this. He is the last person this bad, this this loner, this stranger comes across. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I didn't really spoil that movie, so that's something. That's something there. That will take us to our final film. See, sometimes I joke, actually, and call things films. For example, uh, Sharknado. <laughs> but uh, The Limits of Control definitely falls into the film category. Oh, rating. I didn't give it a rating. Uh, I'd go in my typical convoluted style. I will say, if you like this type of movie, 5 out of 5. If you do not like this type of movie, why are you watching it, you weirdo? And that, of course, leads us to our next movie called The Great Silence. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See what I did there? I left a, a, a period of silence between reviews to reflect that the title of this next movie is, in fact, The Great Silence? Ha-ha-ha! <laughs> yeah, that is what was done there. What do you think of that? The Great Silence is a Western. I love a good Western. This falls into a, an okay Western. Okay to good. Okay to some very good. It is... I think the reason I sort of came across this one it, was it kept appearing on lists of, of like, great Westerns. Ah, well, there you go. Uh, quite often I will look for lists such as that, or perhaps more accurately, when I sort of stumble upon lists like top 100 horror movies, top 100 mind-bending movies, top 100 western movies, uh, I think I have seen this on the list quite often in very high positions, so thought, hey, why don't I watch it, as I like to watch things that other people recommend, be they friend or list. And it was okay. It was, uh, it was okay. It's uh, basically about a guy. A bit of a loner as well, actually. A bit of a stranger. Hmm. Loner and stranger. A little connection between those two movies. Like the movies I did this morning had the sort of chainsaw connection. That's all, I'm all about connecting things. Connecting people. Yeah. No, I'm not really about that. But it sounds good. And he has a sort of hard-on for bounty hunters, does not like them. His father, it's one of these sort of typical father and mother killed, vows revenge stories, which is uh, not necessarily a bad thing. Let's, for example, look at the prime example of that, the A number one example, Batman. Yeah, yeah. But then you say to yourself, okay, well, you're going to use the same story as Batman, but not be as good. So, you know, they went an interesting sort of route with that, in that this guy, who was a boy at the time, witnessed his parents murdered by bounty hunters, and so that he could not tell others what happened, they cut out his voice box. So, <laughs> definitely a sort of silent protagonist in this one, uh, by virtue of having no voice box. Adds a little, a little interest to it, just because you have not really seen that before, or at least I don't think I have. 
the Batman in this, sort of a little Joker from Batman reminiscent, now that I think about it. Kinda, sorta, kinda, sorta. Uh, and then it's just basically a battle of good versus evil. Not really too much to say, and I don't have time to do so. So, why don't I just throw up my rating of... This is what I'm gonna do. Again, convoluted ratings. I do what I want. I rate how I want. It's my podcast. I rate how I want to. Rate how I want to. You would rate too if it happened to you? What? You know what I mean. The entire movie, sort of as a whole, we're going to go three out of five to sort of middle of the road. Enjoyed while watching, but would not watch it again, with the exception of the ending. This actually, uh, this came up this morning, I'm pretty sure, how I don't like a happy ending. I like a, I like a sad ending, because you are quite often not expecting it. I like unexpected, I like sad, just different. Anything different that I haven't seen before. I obviously watch a shit ton of movies. I have a goddamn podcast that I talk about movies once a week, so if that's any indication, a lot of movie watching goes on in my life. So, when things happened at the end of the movie that I am not expecting and have not seen before, I like it. It excites me. It is what I am looking for. So... At the end of The Great Silence, when the bad man, when the very, very bad man killed, this is a bit of a spoiler, or not a bit, it is, killed the main character. Yes, the bad guy killed the good guy at the end. Okay, that right there, possibly you've seen that before, right? Yeah, it's not possible that the bad guy, that the good guy loses and killed. You know, it happens sometimes. However, they went a little further in this. Not only did the bad guy kill the good guy, he then killed the love interest. Yes, I didn't even mention it, because whatever, that's just felt sort of tacked on. There was a love interest to this silent protagonist. Yeah, bad guy killed her too. Why not, right? Jesus Christ. Then, oh, but wait, there's more. Call now, and he will kill the entire town. What the fuck? So that's why I, I will give the, the, the end of the movie a five. I've never seen uh, a movie just end with a sort of brutal, bloody massacre like this. It sort of blew my mind that <laughs> that they even did this. Especially, this movie's uh, pretty old, too. So when, when this movie came out, it must have been rated, like, X. Yeah. Didn't they use X's back then for really, really bad movies? So uh, there you go. That concludes another edition of the Lackadaisical Libro-Kibberculist Podcast. A Movie Monday episode in particular. 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 Folks, that leaves one final thing to say, and that is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libro-Kibberculist we here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. 
Wake till the warm-up's underway Wake till our lips have met Wake till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.